So Johannes, one thing I really came to realize was your unique um, expertise on publishing and um, you're working with book type and you are a developer but you actually have quite uh, an experience and knowledge of the history of publishing and um, and uh, some some of the ins and outs that many people, even even who are working and uh, in this field for for many many years, seem to, to not really have a, a complete grasp of. One thing, when we were walking around, we we noticed um, uh, an international presence, and we had a short conversation about what it was like publishing in South America, and. Um, I'd like to maybe dip back into that and um, talk about what, what, what you thought about when you saw all these publishing houses from around the world in Frankfurt, uh, some big, some small. What do you think the power dynamics are between uh, these different publishing houses and, and what are some of the obstacles that you um, uh, perhaps think that, that they are, are dealing with? Yes. Um, well, in order to understand the world of, of publishing and publishing houses and their relation, um, one probably has to sort of get a general overview of how does the world work at large. Um, the world that we currently live in is a world of center and periphery. You have areas that are sort of more centric, other areas that are more uh, peripheral. What that means is that a lot of people are focusing on certain areas, such as the US, such as the European Union, and have a sort of a one-way relationship between, for example, many Latin American countries and the US, and uh, African and Asian, as well as Latin American countries, and, various, uh, and Europe. But there is not all that much relation. There are not that many relations, oftentimes, between the peripheral countries. What that means is that uh, sort of everybody knows what's going on in these more centric areas. The other way around, though, not. So, and and one doesn't copy from one's neighbors. So, say Mexi Mexico. Well, everybody knows what's going on in the U.S. Guatemala, also everybody knows what's going on in the US, but not everybody in Guatemala may know what's going on in Mexico, or the other way around. Um, that, that logic, which you could say you know, is mainly taken from, from, from just news, general news, that also applies to publishing houses. So you have, in these two centric areas, you have, um, in the US, is really the only place where you have a real market, so to speak, a, a almost free market where people can sell and buy and um, the price uh, depends on, 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 on demand and, and offer. Whereas in, in the EU you have a controlled price system in just about all the countries. Um, and then you have these, these other markets where it's not where it's not really working in the sense that most have access to books um, to at, at, a, at, a, at a price that they can pay and they are they are not they are mostly at least as far as I've seen are not trying to innovate either but the few editorials that do exist are sort of getting their profit out of 
staying the way things always have been and like selling the you know the books to a, to a small elite, ignoring the majority, not trying to like inno be innovative, making new strategies on like how can I make it happen that everybody in this country can buy books and my books and 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 just be, be yeah have access to reading material. Um, in Latin America, particularly, it's it's kind of strange because, well, most countries speak the same language, which is Spanish, um, yet there is quite little uh, interchange between them. So there's, for example, there's no way you can you can publish a book and automatically have it um, distributed throughout Latin America. There's no there's no create space or lulu.com, the two major self-publishing platforms in the English-speaking world, there is nothing uh, comparable for Latin America. I've seen a number of trials, but it's it's still not there. There's, there's no way that you can just say, like, well, I want this book to be available throughout the continent it's, and, and to just have it for, for everybody. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's, a major, that's a major challenge. And um, I, I just hope that... You know it, it, that this changes, and I think there's there's a number of there's a number of obstacles for that. I mean, one is simply um, some kind of obstacle in the way of thinking. You know, I mean, part of it is simply that somebody needs to understand. Well, um, we can actually innovate here ourselves. There's nothing wrong with say, you know, a, a Latin American can can invent things just as well as a US American or a Western European. Um, but also to have, you know, the wish to, to, to try to make a market for everybody. Right now, um, I don't know for the listeners who don't know this, uh, in Latin America, Cuba has uh, books at accessible prices. Nicaragua did in the 80s, doesn't now. And most other countries just don't. The, the prices are, are, are so high so that you really need to save quite a bit of money in order to be able to buy, to buy a book. Yeah. And well, I'd like to maybe also talk about your um, some specific examples that we might have seen of these uh, markets colliding at Frankfurt Book Fair and whether you'd, you saw um, examples of how these different systems might be working. Um, well, I mean, what we saw there was from we saw a, a number of international stores, um, and th from the English-speaking world, of course, it's major publishers, it's the self-publishing industry, which from, which now is the, the majority of all publications is self-publishing nowadays. Um, then we saw some country stores, so that, for example, Spain had its presentation, Catalonia had its presentation. Um, of course, these are these are areas where you don't have a book market, but you have a uh, a system which ensures that there are books being printed in these languages. And so it's it's Western Europe, so it's uh, it's not free market. It's simply uh, the government setting up a pricing structure, a way for for uh, book publishers to distribute their their um, their profits so that you can have as many books as as possible out of this and and sort of promote the cultural heritage of of the area which is which is the point of it um, from 
the third, from other third world countries it was very there were very few things that we saw it was sort of very scattered um, and there was for example not a you know a, a presentation of a any book publisher that was pan latin american or or yeah just as an example um, and one more follow-up question on this topic. Um, I'd like to, I mean, there's obstacles for any publisher, I, I, I assume. Um, what do you think the dynamics, who do you think these um, services in these various countries are working for and who are they not working for? And maybe could you draw any comparisons to either the European or North American publishing industries? And um, for instance, um, we noticed that self-publishing was becoming um, increasingly popular and we heard from other uh, groups there that the traditional publishing houses is just not as, the fair itself is just not as well attended as it was in some recent years. So this kind of speaks to the changing dynamics between self-publishing, um, using online and independent uh, means of, of producing books um, in, in a European um, countries, um, how, but I'd like to get your insight on whether um, these other countries that you seem to know a little bit about how they're working, have you noticed any perspectives of, of, of the people there about whether they are happy with the system or seeking change or um, trying to trying to, to work in, in different ways? Um, well. For not, I mean, it, it is it is really difficult, of course, and for people in, yeah, I mean, I know Latin America more than anything, uh, to on an individual basis to just say I want to change the system here. Um, what? I mean, just to take the obstacles for self-publishing. So you have, you could of course publish with a, with a, you know, one of the major self-publishers in the U.S. or in Europe and have the book sent to you. However, the mailing system doesn't really work to that extent, so that it's it's kind it's quite expensive to have things mailed to a Latin American country. There are several services where you can set up a, a fake a mailing address in Miami and then have your things sent there and then on your own on your own behalf pay for the rest of the postage to get it sent to your by special delivery to your country. That's the that's one of the main obstacles for them. The 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 other if you if you were to say okay well what about the electronic route? No why don't you just do electronic books? Um well the th <laughs> The Kindle and so on, it doesn't really sell in Latin America, uh, in most of Latin America anyway. The, um, the it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because the WispaNet, the network that supplies the Kindle with books, that it's, it's sort of a contract that Amazon has signed with mobile operators in different countries to get to so you don't have to have uh, a, a, any kind of agreement with your local uh, mobile operator but they use their net to provide you with content well they've done that in in South America so you so you can get contents for your Kindle you just can't buy the Kindle so for tourists it's great but 
for people living there, it's 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 not because you can't really get this Kindle. And and even when you buy electronics that are imported, there are high import taxes on electronics um, for various other reasons. Um, so that's difficult. Now, what I have what I have noticed even in Nicaragua, quite poor country, what many students have been doing is they take their their their, their photo camera. And, and simply go to the to go to the library, go to the bookstore, and and take photos of each single page, and then read it on their computer screen, which you know is it's an advantage uh, in comparison to um, you know the 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 method uh, the methodology which they had before, which would simply be that they wouldn't have access to a book, or that they would have to pay a lot, but it's not. Uh, it's not at the same level and uh, as the students in first world countries have and obviously the sort of the the difference between first world and third world will not be any smaller as long as it's harder for third world for people in third world countries to get access to books and to knowledge um, one case in point that maybe um I think was a good example of, of this was a conversation with uh, this Chilean couple who um, were trying to make uh, digital files. Um, do you, would that be one example of uh, an, a situation that we saw at Frankfurt that speaks to a different system and market set up in other countries? Yes. Um, now, Chile, as, as we probably all know, uh, suffers still from from the military coup in 1973, um, from the end of Allende and the private, uh, system of privatization that was installed afterwards with the Chicago Boys and so on. Um, these, and Chile simply, simply much of the education system is privatized, social uh, class differences are huge. Um, and so there's, for anybody in middle or upper middle class, uh, they will send their kids to private schools. And so what we noticed there was a, um, it was a Chilean couple, I think, um, who wanted, uh, who were angry that the government was providing the public schools with free school books and not the private schools, which had to pay for it. Uh, they thought that was discrimination. So what they thought should be done instead was that the government should um, make ebooks available to everybody um, for free, but with DRM, that which means copyright, uh, yeah, like there's copyright protection on it, um, probably so that people in other countries can't use them, um, in, and then stop printing books. Now, uh, for them, that meant well. Uh, you know, they could they, at the private schools they could get their kids an iPad or some kind of electronic reading device. Um, and then when I asked, well, you know, what? So how are you gonna like? How is this gonna work if you don't print books? Then how are the people at public schools gonna get to read anything? And they said, well, you know, it's a small pro uh, it's it's a small country. We, you know, it's it's. We're speaking of, of less than 16 million people here, so uh, it's not a big problem to get these, to get like an electronic reading device for everybody, um, which is true. Obviously, a smaller country needs fewer electronic reading devices, but a smaller country also has uh, a, a much smaller tax revenue. So. The, the, the question wasn't really answered and, and as far as I could understand the result was really just be that 
that private kid, uh, uh, school kids would get a free ebook for their e-reader, which they could pay for, whereas public school kids would just stop stop getting books. And that's of course not a solution for society uh, also, uh, as a whole, but for their social class it is. And and I think that it represents very much like the thinking that has been going on in in um, in upper class circles in these third world countries, which is not how to try to 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 grow the market so that everybody can be part of it, that everybody can buy books, but rather to focus on a tiny minority uh, at the very top who can, who has money to buy luxury products and to produce only for them. And of course these uh, these people were uh, representatives of Adobe and wanted to make some kind of closed software which is very much out of line with, with the philosophy that we have at Source Fabric. Thank you very much, Johannes. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll be coming back with a viewpoint on technology and publishing.